All right, what's up? And welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Christian Nambu, and with me every time is Ronan Gain. Now letting me do an intro today. Today's a good day. We had yesterday, we had the NC tournament, first day of that. We're going to talk about some Harden. We're going to talk about stuff or we're going around the league. But first, everybody, thank you for listening to us today. Happy to have you with us. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe. Throw us a like. Let us know what you think. Let us know what we're wrong about. We're wrong about a lot of things today and tomorrow and last week. But unless you let us know, we're going to keep getting away with it. But first and foremost, Ronan, how are we doing today? Randall didn't give you a good night. Hopefully you got a good rest after that. I got a good rest after watching the Chicago Bulls lose. Again, I'm used to it. It's normal. How are we doing? Uh, I'm I'm okay. I I was I was happy to see at least Brunson had a had a kind of his welcome to the welcome to the season performance last night. Unfortunately, we couldn't get the win, but at least we lost to the the Damian Lillard, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo book. So I can I can I can accept it a little bit more, but uh, yeah, it still hurts. And the way Randall's playing at the moment uh, definitely has me a bit worried. Listen, we lost to Cam Thomas and the Nets, one of the best one of the best powerhouses in offense in the league. You were pointing out to me earlier how we just had that complete. I don't know if it's we or me have that completely flipped. What did I say? They're going to be a top five defensive team right now. They're a bottom five defensive team. I don't know what to make of basketball anymore. There are a lot of weird things. We'll get through them today. Um, I say we get through the end season tournament. What was the biggest thing you you saw there? Uh, just that it was it was great for the league as a whole. Don't get me wrong. I was looking at those games last night and just thinking them as normal regular season games outside of the look of the courts. Yeah. So like until it gets to the knockouts, I'm just going to be viewing these as as regular season games, really. But uh, obviously, they got off to a great start because there was a lot of there was really a lot of uh, a lot of great games, a lot of close battles that went down went down to the wire, a lot of big time matchups, stars going against each other. I think the the main one was obviously the the OKC uh, Golden State Warriors game, really high scoring, one four one to one three nine, and OKC did that without Shagos Alexander. Yeah. But then the outrageous finish to it. Clear basket interference, but apparently because Josh Giddy grabbed the net, that changes the rule or something ridiculous like that. I have no idea. That that was that was the biggest thing that that honestly ruined the night. I feel like it was it was such a good game to see. You know, it. This is an opportunity for teams like this. this is an opportunity for the Thunder to you know make themselves known. It's not technically just a regular season game, and they had that. And then this should have went to overtime. This should have been a great finish, but I don't even, I don't understand the nuance of that rule, but that we've seen that happen time and time again. If someone touches the basket going on a tip in, how many teams have we seen over the years lose a ridiculous game like that? But I don't know. Is the NBA rigged? Who knows? Are we, we're not, not even five minutes in. We're getting into an NBA rigged conversation. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, it could be. It could be something like that. I mean, it's one of those where you're like, Imagine that was just a normal time, uh, something like that happened, and it would have just been called, and and they would have just ran ran it back. There would have been no, would have been no problems, but then it gets down to that clutch moment, and I don't know. Like people are saying, apparently Giddy touching the net is what changed the call. I don't know what the way it's actually written down in the rules, but yeah, looking at it from my perspective, and obviously always wanting the Warriors to fail, I I, I wanted that to be basket interference. Like so, my. Again, like we're not refs. The refs clearly looked at it. Sure, I, I'm going to trust the refs made the right call. But if Giddy touched it to begin with, does that does that that doesn't automatically make it a basket? That's that would be technical foul. You'd be shooting, and then you'd offset it because Draymond e- either Draymond touched the basket or he tapped the ball right above the cup. Hmm. They're like at the at the end of the day, maybe that's Steph taking free throws instead of that. But the fact that it just counted, it's that was a weird thing for me, but Lou Dort had a great game. OKC had a fantastic game against the Warriors. Um, Chet looked great again. Maybe we'll, what's that? Chet, Chet looked great again. Dude, Chet, we'll, we'll get into some of these guys just going across the league, but Chet continues to look like as good as advertised, if not better, defensively, and him being a connecting piece on the offensive end. Like he He's going to be one of the best defensive players in the NBA for a decade if he stays healthy he he looks really good um mm-hmm. and then the Warriors you know I mean just just thinking about how they'll be for the rest of the season off of some of the games you've seen they, they've looked good in this uh this tournament as well we we should get through the Knicks we should get through another update for you on Julius Randle what, what's going on there how, how are we feeling so far 
Yeah, I mean, like it said, that the the struggles have continued. The 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 one bit of solace you can take from it is at least he's still contributing in terms of rebounds and and his assist numbers have been have been pretty solid. Probably an upgrade on what he's usually at. But yeah, the shooting as a whole is pretty is pretty horrible to watch. Pretty much every every game so far. Last night was another real bad one. Five of twenty from the field, and just got. Uh, then, then the stretch when they started giving him the ball, he made a couple of baskets. Then in the the last couple of plays, he had the ball and he went up against Giannis and went up against Brook Lopez, and he just didn't have he just didn't have a chance, which very few people in this league do when you're going one on one with those guys. But in those situations, to go to, to the Knicks went to that back to back, and Julius Randle is in a stage at this moment where he's not the guy who's going to get that bucket. It was a it was a bit of a strange uh, finish for for the Knicks, but again. Dame comes up super clutch. If you're going into the close of a game and it's tight with the books, you're always going to have uh, believe that they're going to be able to get that stop on the defensive end because of the likes of Lopez and Giannis, and you're going to have Dame on the other end to, re- to 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 clean up. So it's 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 a tough one to take, but I like the heart that the Knicks showed, and it's great to see they're still a battling team. But on the flip side, you're also kind of like the start of the season has just really highlighted that they're good, but they're just not good enough. Yeah, there's this zone that you notice Julius Randle get into where there will be like a five-minute period where he will just look at the rim, and he's just not going to move the ball. And there's one sequence near the end of the game where he's going one-on-one in the post. There's just nothing going on around it. It's, it's just him against the world, misses a shot, somehow gets a rebound. Then he's on the perimeter, and there's, there's just no thought to swing the ball. And I get he took an open three, but when you're shooting that bad, it's just – he he's a flawed player and we love him when he's doing his thing and it really hurts to see him playing like this but where do you go from there i mean it's early in the season you can't move away from him and this is what the knicks are built to do it's it feels like there's not going to be a lot of changes you just have to hope he improves yeah no that's 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 all that that's all that it is really it's it's just keep putting them in those situations and just hope that it, it it turns back around, obviously, like I was pointing out the last part, like it's it's that worry that it's just not the, the incapable of doing it in back to back years. But also you like to hope that he had that offseason surgery and hopefully it's just him getting back used to after after that surgery and and play more games. He'll get it. He'll get that touch back. Yeah. How do we feel about the Bucks right now? They played better last night. They made more sense last night. They had Brook Lopez playing in the drop a lot more. And what happened? He got eight freaking blocks. Yeah. He blocked eight shots outside. He had two for the whole rest of the season. The defense was a, was a lot more organized. Uh, still a ways to go. I mean, you won't really get a judgment on them until we see Chris Middleton playing full minutes and seeing Damon Giannis really get going in terms of the pick and roll. I think last night, I think obviously it changed down the clutch, but like up until like the last two minutes, I think Dame and, and Giannis combined had only shot like 20 21 shots combined which just seems like that just seems insane like how is that the number for the for the star duo of this team but they were knocking it down from three which is great but i think the defensive adjustment they made last night was really smart and that was adrian griffin probably trying to put his own stamp on it and then just accepting to go back the way things worked so well last year because their their defense had been struggling and it couldn't have just been all because of the they lost true holiday there had to be other elements too and i think the the brooke lopez side of it was a was one element that that uh they switched again last night and, and it looked a lot better. But I it's not obviously all Damian Lillard's fault. Like it's a little reductive and, and boring to put it to that. But I think Damian has been flat out awful defensively to start. Mm-hmm. Just like terrible. Like targeted. The, the the fact that Damian Lillard is targeted on screens all game long every time he's played, and the fact that the Bucks right now are the twenty seventh best defense in the league is not a good sign for the future and you you just watch him die on screens you really expect him to like fight a little bit harder on that because all you need from him is it's just effort navigating screens there because you're not going to get Drew Holiday you're not going to get Javon Carter which you know I don't know if financially that would have worked out for them to find a way to keep Javon Carter but god are they missing a guy like him just to give them some some reprieve like Brooke Lopez, Giannis are going to have their hands full all season long trying to fix Dave's mistakes on the perimeter. And there's not a lot of help behind it. Like, where where do you go next in line in terms of, of main 
uh, on-ball defenders. You don't have a very long list there on the Bucks right now. So I, I, I predicted, you know, that we both predicted it was going to be difficult defensively to adjust to a life without Drew Holiday, but it's a pretty dramatic change right now and in their identity. Like, if they're not going to be a bona fide top five defense, that's a really that's a really big change. And I think they're going to continue to struggle with that until they figure it out. Yeah, no, it's actually, it's been a pretty stark drop-off. I didn't think it was going to be this bad. Obviously, it's still early days, so you hope they'll be able to pick it back up. But at the moment, yeah, it's definitely a little bit worrying that it's not just a... It's not just a top five back to like top fifteen. It's a it's a, it's top five down to bottom five, which is a definitely a little bit more of a worry. But outside of that, I mean the 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 other games in the in the in season tournament, obviously we know about your Bulls. That's just that was just a tough game. It was, it was a close one. It could have gone either way, really. The way the Bulls are playing at the moment, Pacers ultimately got the job done against the Cavs. The defense for the Pacers just proves to be still a massive uh, a massive massive issue for them. Obviously, they had a comfortable lead. The the Cavs fought them all the way back. Luckily, the Pacers were able to make a few big shots down the stretch. The Cavs, obviously, they only had their full five out last night for the first time this season with, with Jared Allen and Garland and Mitchell and and, uh, and Mobley, and hopefully things will get better. But the first few games watching them, they've struggled to get going. It's just been all about Donovan Mitchell. How many points can Donovan Mitchell score? And outside of that, they, they really have absolutely nothing. So hopefully now they're healthy, they can really get going again. The, the Pacers, like I was saying... They struggled uh, defensively, uh, like we saw against the Celtics. Miles Turner had a had a really great game last night. Uh, really won that game, and then Halliburton was able to step up for them in the clutch, so they were able to get the job done. But yeah, defense still a still a huge worry for the for the Pacers. And then of course, the other the other dramatic one was the the Grizzlies and the Blazers that went ultimately went to overtime. We'll talk about the Grizzlies later, but just to say on that, I mean, they were up ten with three minutes left. They were up five with one minute left. And they ultimately lose it in overtime, which is just, it is just really, really worrying. And then, of course, the Nuggets and the Mavs. I'm telling you, I'm getting really worried about these Nuggets. I mean, when they need a bucket, they get a bucket. When they need a stop, they get a stop. They try ridiculous things and they come off. I'm starting to get serious Golden State vibes off this team. Everything just goes for them. They, they have, they have so much, and their size has absolutely destroyed the the Mavs last night. I think it was nineteen offensive rebounds, and that was basically the difference in the game. The yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think the Nuggets are going anywhere, especially the, the way they're playing, like the focus that they're having on the defensive end, um, the chemistry that they continue to show, like they're they're not in any sort of, they're not in any sort of championship hangover at all. Um, I mean, the, the Mavs for this season, I mean, that was their their first loss this season. The Mavs have looked pretty good with Luca. We'll talk about Luca in a little bit, but um, great matchups. And, and going back to, to the to the Grizzlies, that that was a really hard fought loss. The things the things that that the Grizzlies doing all game, they're really getting up and down. They're playing fast. Jaron Jackson Jr. looked like and this is one thing I think that's important to note. Um I think something that's going unnoticed is how bad Aiton has been. And mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson Jr. should not look that much better than Aiton on the offense. Like it, he he looked like another level of player. Like just Aiton was outclassed by Jaron Jackson Jr. And it's early in the season. So I think we're we're always like kind of taking things a little bit of grain of salt. But there's some things that you'd expect to be immediate, immediate change of scenery, immediate opportunity. And Aiton has not shifted at all as a player he's yeah. regressed as a player um but who's come up i mean to my surprise honestly shaden sharp yeah looked unbelievable one of the sharp is, for them last night yeah yeah right he's doing a lot on the ball he's doing a lot shooting from the perimeter he's just as fearless as he was a rookie getting to the rim and he's showing a lot more body control and i mean he's going to eventually start getting a lot more calls and his ability to get to the line once he still starts getting that respect, is going to that's gonna be a difference making him an all-star player. If he's able to continue to attack the rim like that, use his body, and defensively, it's still a work in progress. But he he clearly has the the physicality to do it. And that's that's just something he's gonna adjust to. But Satan Sharp is definitely he he might be the guy in Portland if if Scoot continues to take a little bit of time. And if if Simons, maybe Simons is, is taking kind of a 1A, 1B role type of thing. But Shaden Sharp looks ready to to take that next step. And the Grizzlies, man, do we talk about the Grizzlies now? 
No, no, no. We'll get into we'll get okay. into the Grizzlies later on. Uh, but uh, let's, let's let's have a little look around the league. What's what's kind of what's what's catching your fancy across the league after well, we've had two weeks now of games. Um. Well, I, I've, do we have to wait to talk about Wemby? Like, no, nah, let's we jump have to, in. We have to have our weekly Wemby check in. So I have serious and unserious questions with all these things around the league, especially this week one. Is Victor Wembanyama a better all around player than Kevin Durant? Come on. In two games, maybe. <laughs> maybe, maybe just one game, but uh, yeah, not, not he's not quite there yet, but uh, yeah. No, uh, no, no, no. The 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 Spurs going two and zero against the, those Suns was was impressive and especially that last game not just because he had the thirty eight points and had his career career night but because the Spurs really started to play through him and they thrived playing that way. Yep. Um, I guess that was an unserious question. Serious question: Do the Spurs need to get Wemby a real point guard? Mm. Emphasis on need. At this stage, I I don't think it's that that big of a worry. It might be something we look at in the future, but at the moment, I don't think it's 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 a, a real notable gap for for me. Yeah, like my gut response to that, I was really kind of thinking hard about how badly they need a point guard. There's a lot of plays where you know the pat the lobs are not there. Sohan is not a a dynamic playmaker. He's not going to make lobs off the dribble as well as a, a true point guard. He's not able to to get in a, a pass into the post every time perfectly like you would expect from point guard. When Trey Jones is on the floor, like things looks very organized. I mean, the spacing isn't always perfect with him there, but it looks good. But when you look at the stats, it, actually, this this is a funny part of it, and I think this speaks to how they pass as a team because they're third in total passes made, the third in assists, team assists uh, per game. And they're right ahead of Golden State there. Fifth in potential assists. They're getting looks. If you had to guess after Trey Jones, who do you think is leading the team in assists? The next two, three players. Yes, so is Wemby one of them? No, no. I no I'll, I'll give you a hint, though. They're not guards. They're not guards. <laughs> Zach Collins, is it? Zach Collins averaging 40. He's, he's third on the team. He's 4.6 assists per game. Second is Sohan. I mean, they're throwing him there. I mean, he's he's a solid playmaker. He makes good passes. He he does what Pop wants him to do. He's just not the dynamic guy. But he's averaging 5.2 assists per game. Kelton Johnson, surprisingly, he's doing a solid job playmaking. He's mm-hmm. he's really taking that step last year, doing it again here, and he's just been streaky shooting. But he's he's averaging 4.4 assists. Do they need a point guard if their system is meant to spread the ball out, is to move the ball, and not really have one guy who's who's leading? Maybe, maybe not. How about mm-hmm. uh, how about we jump over to uh, the Celtics real quick? Yeah, let's get in on that. Like that, that performance, that performance on uh, was it Wednesday night? One hundred and fifty-five points they put up against the Pacers, and not only that, they won it by fifty points, which, which is just absolutely insane. Four and zero start, first in offense, six in defense, still looking good on both ends. I'm gonna be that dickhead right here. It's going too well, and I think injury is just around the corner to to disrupt this. Oh, but I hope that doesn't happen. Not that way. I think that's got to be the sentiment of half Celtics nation is okay. When is, when is this not going to look so good? You're just always waiting for the other two to drop. But I mean, if you're an optimist and you should be an optimist because you're seeing what is a real product of like a perfectly set up offense, like this offense is, is constructed perfectly. The, the way that they are going to be teams like that, is going to be consistent. I if you face a bad defense like the Pacers, they're gonna they're gonna drop over 130 points again. They are going to be far and away the best offense in the league. They're going to be far and away easily top three. Maybe they're going to still stay best defense in the league. But it is always that that sentiment. My my question is though, could they beat the 2016 Golden State Warriors 24 game win streak to start the season this year? Ooh. Yeah, well, that's a, that's an interesting one. I'm pretty sure I, I earmarked that they have the Nuggets on December the 1st. I could be wrong on that, but I think that's when they face them. That's probably the only one I'd really uh, I'd really worry about them on. <laughs> that that is that is the only one. And the funny thing is, 
game 24 to tie the record will be against the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> but it's re- you're really hard-pressed when you look up and down their schedule like, who could beat the Celtics here? And that kind of makes you think, you know, how many games can they win? Is this a 62, 65? Is this a 70 team win team? I mean, healthy, but I don't like they, they definitely have the potential to do it. Their ability on both ends of the floor, they're the star power that they have. They definitely can do it. If they stay healthy, I think, like we were saying before, I think it's minimum of 60 wins this year. And, and it's definitely, I think you could get as high as 70. I think they could really push the barrier there. I agree. Absolutely. I want to, I want to ask you about, uh, Porzingis, Porzingad, Tingus Pingus. He has looked revamped. How how good do you feel like he is? He a top blank power forward in this league? Top blank. What's the number? I mean, in the system, I think he's definitely in the. Hmm, let's see. We say top seven. Top seven. Yeah. Just as an individual, I may like obviously there's guys you could put above him, but in terms of the fit he has in this team, that that puts him in that conversation. Let's do it this way: best pick and pop big in the league. Top. One. Three, two, top one of one. Yeah. I'd say Porzingis, he's he's the best pick and pop option in basketball right now. Yeah, that's fair. Best shot blocker amongst fours. Yeah, him and Wemby. Yeah, yeah. Wemby. And um, AD, if you count that. AD, if you, yes, AD. Um, in terms of rolling to the rim, he's top five right now, and th- this is the biggest, most impressive thing. If you watch, he's so much more aggressive getting the rim. Right now, he's fifth in points from possession as a role man. And he wasn't even close to top 10 last year. Mm. Don't even talk about the year before that. And he's really taken a leap there. I Top five, top seven, like, he's shown himself. He, he's back. Porzingis is not just, uh, oh, he's, he's still good. Like, this guy is crawling back to a star status. And at the end of the season, I don't know how far he will be to refurbishing that. But, I mean, he definitely has an opportunity to do it here at Celtics. I want to jump yeah, to yeah, you for sure. It's it's uh, it's 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 great to see. It, to be honest, I, I, obviously I always have a soft spot for Porzingis in my heart. Uh, I know you do. He was meant to be the next great thing for New York. Not quite that, but great to see him thriving in a team that's going to be really competitive. How about his boy Luca? We got to talk Luca real quick. Quick update: He's right now leading the league in points per game. He's shooting forty four percent from three. We always talked about what would happen if Luca started really getting consistent from three. Do you want to know what he's shooting on step-back threes? Something ridiculous, like 55. (laughs) 55.6% on step-back threes. He's scoring 1.2 points possession on pick and rolls. He is cooking everybody in front of him. He's playing as good as he has. He's playing some defense. Is this the MVP year for Luka? And is he going to steal it from Tatum? Like I said before, obviously the start that the that the, the Mavs have made, like I said before, we both picked Tatum as our pick for MVP, but I also mentioned that if the Mavs can somehow get a top four seed in the West, then it's going to be Lucas Trophy because he is that star guy. I mean, watching him last week, you're literally, I'm just sitting there like, this guy is the best watching basketball. Not say he's the Easily. best player, but he's the best watching Easily. basketball. If Dallas can sustain this. Obviously, they've had a bright start, and then obviously they go up against the Nuggets uh, on the road, which is always going to be tough. And they they had their hand at their first loss. Let's see how they move on from that. But yeah, uh, for the most part, like Luke has just been been awesome, and I, I, like the sentiment remains. If the the Mavs can somehow sustain this sort of run that they've been on and, and be in the top four of the West, then yeah, it's going to be it's going to be Luke's trophy. Yeah, what have you thought real quick of Derek Lively? He's a guy that we looked at. In the in the rookie draft, is he going to be someone who's going to make an impact? Maybe at the end of the year, you got to see, you got to have him come along. But I think he's made his presence known. Is this the guy moving forward? Hopefully, yeah. Obviously, last night, obviously we didn't see him get a lot of minutes. He didn't couldn't really handle it out, out on the floor quite as much uh, last night when he had, when you're up against the the big dog in uh, in Nikola Jokic and the size of that Nuggets team, which was a bit. Worrying, but in terms of what he's done, I think it's definitely the the brightest spark that we've seen from a Dallas uh, a Dallas player and in in a position that they really need. So obviously, as we look into it, just getting stronger, being being a better rebounder, 
and and outside of that, what he's doing on the offensive end, I think is is exactly what need exactly exactly what they've been that they've been missing on. Just that question of now becoming that lit a legit uh, rim protector, getting stronger and being a re- better rebounder. If he adds all that together, like that is a genius, huge pickup for this Dallas team. Yeah. I got to talk about my boy real quick, and then I'm done going around the league. I will say one it's... thing before you do that. Your oh, Bulls please. screwed it no, so bad no. losing Why against Dallas. When you hold Luka Doncic to under 20 points and you don't win, like that's a so, that's so bad. I think the, the Bulls are are... They're a dying star, no pun intended. The, the, you're you're seeing the implosion happen in front of you. You're you're seeing the 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 light begin to flicker, and it's two guys that are really on the cut end of their good portions of their career. DeRozan and Vooch are, are right there. Vooch is probably last year. DeRozan, how I don't know how many more you get out of him, and Levine is in such a a seminal point of his career where. Is he going to end? Is he going to end the highlights of his career on a team that is going, frankly, nowhere? Is Caruso going to end his like? I mean, Caruso has to be the most wasted, amazing, amazing, amazing player that that should be a championship level player. What he did with the Lakers, and imagine him on a Celtics team. Imagine him on a 76ers team. Imagine him on the. Imagine him on a contender in playoff basketball where moments matters. I mean, he does magic every night with what he does. And that is being wasted on the bulls. And then you, you pair that with, with the constant drama of, of his Patrick Williams going to finally be good. And all this, well, Kobe white's actually finally turning into a good player on his own. And he's doing it on a dysfunctional team. There's so many reasons why this team needed to be ended. And, just in terms of talking, and you you put me on the soapbox. You mentioned the Bulls. I wasn't going to bring it up, but you opened the door, and here we are. But this is such an important, I think, learning point of of basketball is is the business of it. And there are so many teams, and you wonder why the dysfunction continues. And it all comes down to ownership. It all comes down to management. You have to trace back the money. You got to follow the money. Why are why are teams not figuring it out? The Kings did not figure things out for years. You follow the money, you follow the management, you follow the ownership, and that was always a problem. Bulls are always going to be that way. And this is just a symptom of it, just like it was three years ago, just like it was during the Baby Bulls era, and it will continue to be. So there you go. We have to talk about a player that disappointed us last year, a player that had a lot of high hopes, a player that's confused people a lot, Scotty Barnes. Now the Raptors have looked... Awful offensively at times. I mean, they without Fred VanVleet, without real offense out there, without Nick Nurse, I don't know. Without a lot of things, that offense does not look good. But who looks good is Scotty Barnes. I mean, he's like muscling. He, he plays muscling Giannis out of the way for for uh, layup, dunking over Embiid. He's like dream shaking mid rangers. He's yelling at opposing benches like he is having a moment right now. It's being lost in the noise of the Raptors just being kind of dysfunctional dropping triple doubles right now he's shooting nearly 40 percent on threes and he's upped his shot diet to almost five threes a game and that's something he was not doing last year and he looks confident too. he's not not questioning it he looks confident getting in the middle of the floor playmaking playing the pick and roll like he looks and feels like a different player and you just got to look at his stats when he's dropping right now over 20 points per game five assists per game, eight rebounds per game, two blocks per game. If, if that's where he's hanging out, that's company of your Lucas. That's company of your Giannis. That's company of your Jokic. No one else is putting out that sort of production across the board. Last year, it was just those three. The year before that, you're extending that. Siakam had a, a great year like that. DeJounte Murray, that, that kind of broad production and your boy Randall in his amazing year the other year. Like, like Scotty could be emerging because I, I, I look at that stat line and that doesn't look unsustainable for, to me for a guy of his talent, what he brings to the floor, how he is constantly attacking boards and playmaking and the way he's able to score if he's really starting to get confident from three. Is Scotty Barnes, if this is his production, does he look like an all-NBA player to you? 
Yeah, I mean, if he if he sustains the levels that he's delivering on, and like it's it's that that nice balance that he's still getting able to up that score and but still have those assist numbers delivering on the defensive end as well. And if the shooting can stay afloat, like that's that's huge, and that's that's him being more like that guy that that came out of nowhere and won uh, was a rookie of the year, and that guy that the the Raptors believe is the centerpiece for their for their future. Obviously, only early doors, but yeah, at the, at this moment, he's looking like he's back on track and he's he's looking confident, which is a, which is definitely a big thing for for the Raptors and for and for Scotty Barnes himself. Yeah, and the two blocks a game too. I, I think a lot of that has to do with with Pirtle being there. You have an interior presence. You can play a little bit more weak side. He's not getting stuck on bigs. Like uh, if he's defensively putting that out with the one steal a game as well. Um, I'm pretty high on on Scotty, and I, I think this is going to be all the more reason. I think we predicted. Siakam was going to be the first to be traded this season. I think it's about time that they they make room for Scotty and and let Siakam go elsewhere because the offense looks just janky when, when Siakam's like the third option. It, it it doesn't it doesn't make sense out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now let's go into our, our more in depth stuff. Our, our more our more sad things. I have to just take a big L here as we <laughs> as we start to talk about the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I I was so very wrong. Obviously, that injury to to Stephen Adams came after I said it, which is definitely hurting them a little bit, but not uh, not to this extent that they should be at. But yeah, I predicted the Grizzlies with the number one seed in the West, <laughs> and they have started. They have started the season zero and six. <laughs> Yikes! I don't think anyone would have predicted this. Like honestly, I I and this is this is how you should always see the Grizzlies to be correct. Like just take my Grizzlies take and like relax by like 10 to 15 percent and i think that's around normal i I think i'm usually overly high on the grizzlies um and i I think this is kind of the turning point i I think we i overvalued the grizzlies ability to just kind of like the heat just pull guys out of their roster and make them and make them very useful make them really good nba players and just out of nowhere but i mean honestly injury wise and offseason wise they they just kind of ran out of those guys i mean losing tyus jones that was huge and the year losing losing Melton, and this offseason losing um, Dylan Brooks. I mean, Joe Collie wanted about Dylan Brooks, I and mean, he was a huge part of why their defense was so fierce. I mean, he was a huge part of you know maybe on a night to night basis he wasn't efficient, but he was taking shots and he was able to to score. And factor in Santi Aldama getting hurt, and then you have Adams not there. I mean, they just they're just so decimated that you couldn't have expected you know, getting production out of their young guys who are so unproven. I mean, that that wouldn't have surprised me, but I think that was betting way too much on guys that are just not really yet NBA ready. My biggest point of disappointment, though, is, you know, you're looking at the situation, and we I really did, you know, think maybe David Roddy will take a step. I don't think he's ready for that. It's really not. Um, maybe, you know, Kennard will step up, but I definitely thought that you'd see Williams take, take a jump up. Mm-hmm. You, you thought Zaire Williams would do something. They're like Canard <laughs> shooting 12% from three. So getting more shots. He's Zaire's getting less shots than Xavier Tillman and Derek Rose and Marcus Smart. Like he it, he has to be somebody who's who's making a step here because you can't just rely on Desmond Bain to save you every night because he can't he can't do it himself. It's just impossible. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously it's uh it's definitely worrying. I mean that like you're saying, Williams is a guy that you kind of felt had to had to really take a take a jump, especially with the absence of uh of, of Jamarant, but outside of outside of just the injuries that, that that have taken the hit on the team. But I mean like look at them, they're thirtieth in offense, worst offense in the league, eighteenth in defense, which is which is low for them. They're twenty second in points per game, but then they're fifth in pace, so you're kind of like they're trying to play quick. Is there is there maybe a thought that maybe they try to slow things down a bit? Is that is that an area that they can look at and try and and try and work a bit harder and just rely try to get back to what what made them great? Obviously, it helps when you have Jam Rant. That makes a big big difference. But play a bit slower. Rely. Get your defense. The defense has been really bad. It's really disappointing. Obviously, I know it's new new fit and all. But you bring in Marcus Smart into that team. Still have Jaron Jackson Jr. there. Desmond Bain is a good defender. Like they, they shouldn't be this bad in defense. They should be a team that are relying on, on defense and maybe losing games in the clutch. Uh, maybe the other teams just have that little bit more on them offensively that they don't have now without Jamarant. But instead, it's it's the complete opposite of that. And they're 
they're really getting they're really getting bogged down. They've had a couple of, of bad losses. And yeah, it's just it just gives you gives you those weird vibes. I don't didn't think it was gonna be this bad. And you're looking at it now, own six start. Jazz gone for what another 19 games. They could be out of playoff contention by the time Jamarant comes back. Yeah, and, and I have a major question on that, and I'll I'll pose it now. I mean, this is this is my unserious question is should the Grizzlies tank? Should the Grizzlies tank? And and I mean, look at this. Like it's it's early on the season, but it's not. And there are a lot of close games in the NBA. There, there's a lot of teams that are very close to being undefeated. There are a lot of teams that are very close to being like zero and six, just like these are. But, but newsflash: they are second to last in score margin, so they're getting destroyed. They're scoring negative nine point eight. They are last in the league in defending three point shots. And of, of course, like there's some variance there. You don't know about shooting luck, but they're allowing players to get to the free throw line constantly as a, as a defense. That's something that they did not do before. They did not foul as much as they do now. They're 22nd in that ranking. Opponents are shooting at, you know, 40, no, 41.4% from three. And you just, you just can't, you can't survive that. My thing though, when you're talking about like speed, like they're not, they're not even like top 10 and fast break points. So they're trying to push the pace so that it's yeah, not efficient. That's the worst part of it. Yeah. <laughs> And Marcus Smart, that that's your half court offense. You you can't play in the half court right now. It, everything's untenable. Like you, the, Nate, tell me what they should be doing in in the half court besides running Desmond Bain off screens and pick and popping with with Jaron Jackson Jr. Maybe that's it. Like allow Jaron Jackson Jr. to do more off ball. That's kind of what we talked about a bit. But it's it's really not looking like they have any. They don't have the spacing. They don't have the creation. They don't have. I mean, Marcus Smart is playing the worst basketball in a long time, and that's that's concerning for me. Like, I I was really hoping that he would be kind of a leader here, and he'd be a little bit more provide some more stability. I I don't know if that sounds laughable to people who watch Marcus Smart for for the Celtics in terms of his stability offensively, but he he is a good playmaker. But he, there's no reason he should be averaging five point five assists to four point two turnovers. That's that's yeah, a very that's ugly bad. look for him. Mm-hmm. He's taking seven threes a game. I, I like I, I don't know I, I I don't know in terms of the coaching point I mean Jenkins is just doing the best that he can but Marcus Smart should not be taking seven threes a game. Um, it's it's a train wreck. So should the Grizzlies tank? Maybe yeah yeah I mean it, it feels like this this the way they're going out at the moment it kind of feels like they're just taking their medicine and like oh, okay we'll just deal with this until we get Jamarant back and like yeah I mean. You look at it on one hand, you're like, well, the Lakers started what, two and ten last year. They still made the playoffs, yeah, so it's not fair. it's not completely yeah. out of the out of the realms. But you also say we're going to be without Ja until what is it December, maybe even January. I'm not sure what way the the way way it breaks down, but how long it's going to take him to really get going again? They might be in a position, and and looking around the league, there isn't that many teams that are going to be tanking. They're, yeah. It's going to be between them and maybe a, a couple of teams in in the in the East. I don't think any of the Western Conference teams are looking at tanking, and at, at least until until part of the turn of the year when when things kind of flesh out a little bit more. But yeah, it might not be the the craziest idea in the world. It's it's great for me to already go back on my on my take on them this this much now. To go from <laughs> this is just a seed, trap. This is a trap one, for me to get one, you to go all the way back. One seed, the tanking to try to get the uh, the number one pick next year, but. Uh, yeah, it's sad to say, but maybe it's not the craziest idea in the world. They're they're just not in a they they need to make a trade here. And I think they they lost they lost uh Tyus Jones, they lost Dylan Brooks, Anthony Melfour, not really making any any deals. You expected Zaire Williams to get better. You expected, you know, I mean Brandon Clark's also not there too. I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of things that will look better with health. There are a lot of things that look better with health. Um, John John Conchar is not having like magic games. Luke Kennard won't shoot thirteen percent from three all season long, <laughs> but it's it's not a great it's not a great start. And they're gonna have to crawl their way back up. That the Memphis Grizzlies though are on the other side of the coin. I I think if they're in a play in scenario, that's not gonna that's not gonna bother them. You know? No, no, they could they, do they they could do a Lakers job on it. Yeah. They're they're way better with a chip on their shoulder. John Moran, maybe he. This conversation sounds a lot different if they make a move for a center. If if they find a way to get Clint Capella, 
They find a way to, to get him. They get a serious center involved here. They get some health back with Brandon Clark. And they get John Morant back. And Marcus Smart, you get a little bit regression to the mean. He's a better playmaker than this. Like, they're, this should look better. I, I don't want to have a crazy take here, but I think it just goes to show that John Morant really screwed them over. Like, yeah. they, they're not, you know, it was, this would be a whole different thing. Hey, man, hey, John, we got it. We're good. We're fine. Just like last year, but no. No, th- this time it, it's it's looking pretty bad. Yeah, at least at least Reigns is, is doing doing his part of averaging 26 points per game. But obviously I was looking at even uh, uh, making my notes obviously before last night's game and seeing, like looking over their next five games and thinking they, they've got to win, they get four wins here. they got to be four and six after this. They've already blown one of them by losing to the Blazers last night. Their next game is also against the Blazers. Then they face Miami. Utah and the Clippers, and, and you're looking at that and saying, obviously now it's a, a three or four. They they, they got to win three or four though, three out of four of those games. Like they've got to start finding a way to win. And like the Blazers, they they're gonna have up and down nights. This is a young team. This is a new look team. So they they should they should be able to get there. Miami haven't had the greatest start to the year either. The Jazz again fairly up and down. Then maybe obviously the Clippers. They'll be looking at the James Harden uh, Clippers uh, then, but. They they really They're need to. That rating team. That's they, a good team. They still need to. Uh, they still need to get a couple of wins out, out of these out of these few games, or else then 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 you really start to look at it. Like if, if they end up being zero and ten, then you're really like, okay, yeah, just just scratch this season off and, and move on to the next. Yeah, I mean you have time. You have Bain, long term extension. You have Jaron Jackson Jr. You have John Rand. Like you have your core, right? Mm-hmm. And the the point of of getting a good pick, I don't even think would be to even use it necessarily. Like maybe you can get like a, I mean, is is a Siakam deal there? I don't know. Yeah, is a Siakam deal there? They they need they need someone else that can create offense. I think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a great secondary tertiary option offensively, with what he does from from three. Um, but I, he's not advanced at any point this year. And that's that's what we're gonna see. That I think this is more experiment time, and and I think that's fine. Like throw, let's see some more Jake Laravia out there. Let let's see some more, some more. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I need some Kenny, Kenny Lofton Jr. Kenny Lofton, baby. Yeah, I need some Kenny Lofton Jr. minutes. Like where are those that? I, I don't need that at the end of the fourth. I need that like in the second quarter, like right there. Let let's see what he can do. They they need to just test things out. It's not a tank. It's a test period, and we'll we'll call it that. Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's fair. So we flipped it on the on the Memphis. They went from the, the one seed to the to the to, to the to the tank team. Okay, fine, just me. Uh, yeah. All right, then let's let's finish it off. Let's get on to the really big news of the week. The Los Angeles Clippers have traded for James Harden, and I think this is a this is a deal that that, that could really go any which way for 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 both teams. Obviously, the Clippers now they got Harden and Tucker. The 76ers ended up with two first-rounders, Covington, Batum, KJ Martin, Marcus Morris, two seconds and a pick swap. I know people are trying to have a go at the 76ers. I think they've done really well out of this deal, to be totally honest. In what way? I also. think getting rid of Harden was is important for them. They yep. got back draft assets, assets. They got back movable contracts. And they got back a couple of guys who know they're not going to be needle pushers for the team, but they're going to be able to deliver for the time that they're they remain in Philadelphia. They can be part of packages yep. now they when they if they look to move for another star. They're in a very good position that that they can they're in a position where they could they have the assets to try and trade for another star to get alongside Embiid. They could look at, at moving towards a rebuild. Hopefully that's not the way it goes, but obviously let's hope Embiid ends up in New York. And um and they could also Wait next year. They have max room, so I mean they're yeah. they're in a pretty good they're in a pretty good position. The options are open for Philly. I I think that's that's something that people are missing is that this is not you're you're not comparing Harden the the winning player. You're not comparing Harden the guy who's who's helping you get to a championship to Robert Covington to Nick Batum to Kenny Martin Jr. That's not the comparison you're making. You're you're comparing him to getting first two first round picks and getting meaningful rotation players, but mostly expiring deals and that, and the ability to reset you're getting, you traded James Harden for the ability to reset and get another star. That's, that's what this is about. It's not about those players. Those players don't matter. 
I mean, I, I think they will matter in terms of, you know, they have a lot more defensive flexibility now. They can play very small. And that, that's not something the, the 76ers really could do except for using Paul Reed. So, you know, Paul Reed fans out there um, are weeping because this is a tough time for them. I, he's going to have to compete against Rocco. He's going to have to compete against Batum. And I think those are guys who are going to look a lot better alongside Joel Embiid. Um, Kelly Oubre fans, tough time for you too. I don't think Kelly Oubre is going to be getting a lot of minutes out there. You know, once he starts dropping 30% field goal games, you're going to want to put Rocco out there. You're going to want to put um, even Kevin Martin Jr. Like there's there's more options at the wing in the big position, but this is all about the ability to reset. And one thing too is the faith in Tyrese Maxey. Yeah. Faith in his growth. Like, is he going to keep growing? I, I think that they, they've seen the potential there now that he's the primary playmaker that, he really can't get downhill all game long and create from that position. Like he's he's a different player than than Arden, but with the way that he's putting pressure on defenses, he's figuring out how to translate that into consistent playmaking for others, and that's going to continue to grow. I think. Um, Joel Embiid is, is he the he fastest player in the league? Is, he's got to be ooh, up there. Speed wise, that, that is, is a great electric. question. Is is he is he the quickest player in the league? I, I think floor to floor speed. I mean, all right, John Morant or Tyrese Max, who's who's well, that'd be that'd be that'd be a, that'd be a good that's race, pretty, huh? pretty close. Yeah. That that's that's pretty close. I would that's that would we're gonna have to actually this is there's objective data on this, you know, <laughs> speed, average speed per game. Um but I think when you look at the clipper side, that's where things get really interesting. Is does this make them a does this raise their ceiling more? then it lowers their floor. That's my question. I mean, before anything, any games have been played, before we've seen anything, I guess you have to say yes. But at the same time, you're kind of like, this is them really desperately going all in. They're taking a guy like Harden, which don't get me wrong, is is a player that they wanted and needed, but also a player no one else wanted, which is always an interesting thing, uh, an, an interesting angle to look at. It. He's going to provide them with that pick and roll option that they need, he's going to provide them with that scoring option. And hopefully that, that be the lead scorer when they want to rest like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, which is why they went and got him. That, that was their, their main thinking behind it. But at the same time, you're kind of like, they've given up everything for that. They are in a position next year where I think George, Kawhi and Harden are all up. Uh, contracts are all up. So they'll have to, to, to make some new deals as they're looking to move into their, uh, their brand new arena. I think they're going to want to have some stardom around that. But uh, he he gives them what they wanted. But at the same time, he's still James Harden. He's still going to be always has the potential to be a detriment to your team rather than a, than, than a big time plus. And like that comment that he made in the in the press conference, like seventy sixers may be playing the system. I am the system. Give it a rest. You're not a system anymore. I, oh, oh! What did what did the Seventy Sixers do? They 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 you were twenty one points per game. You led the league in assists. You had a near career high from three point range. You had one of your more memorable playoff uh, runs with those couple of games against Boston. That shot against Boston. So I mean, like it didn't work out too badly for him. It was just the fact that he wasn't Joel Embiid. He wasn't the be all and end all of the team and taking the most shots on the team. That was that was that was all that I saw of the leash. As much as I was, I I I respect him questioning Doc Rivers' use of him and all that, but I think that was really just I wanted to be the guy and I wasn't. On the surface, I don't know. I I don't. I didn't read it like that. I I I read it in the context of you know the the concerns that people are bringing about how he fits in to the system with the Clippers. And I think it's a fair point that, you know, I mean, number one, why did the Clippers get him? I, I think all those point, points you brought up are the main reasons, you know, it's all about star power. It's about raising your ceiling. It's about you're running out of time. You just have to make the biggest move possible. And there honestly wasn't anywhere that he was going to go. And, but when you look at their problems, I think the Clippers sometimes, they, they run into issues in the half court. They run into issues when, you know, they are trying to transition their offense between team basketball and pass it to Kawhi and hope he does something great in the mid-range and let Paul George cook on the perimeter. Like, there, there's not a lot of – there's not a lot of 
connectivity there. There's not a lot of dynamic play. And, and maybe that's, I think that the questions about how Harden fits is legitimate when you've seen how he was with Russ and in, in the Rockets, you, you've seen, but then you've also seen how he was with the Nets, how he was with the 76ers. And he was always a plus. He always made those offenses better. And I think he is, he is a system. Like you put Harden on the floor and you, you put the ball in his hands and he does create for others and he does seek mismatches. He does, he does find guys in their spots. He, he made Joel Embiid the MVP. Like jo- Joel MVP, what Joel Embiid was the MVP, not because of James Harden, but largely with his ability to get him in the right spots constantly. And if that's something that James Harden brings to the Clippers, I mean, that's important. They don't have a real playmaker like that. And Russ isn't really that in the traditional sense, at least in the, in the half court. So I don't know. I didn't have a huge problem with it because I think it, there is an ounce of truth with it in terms of what he brings to the Clippers. But if he is talking about being the guy and the moment and the leading scorer, which everyone thought that was kind of the problem with him going to the, the Rockets, is that, you know, all of a sudden – Harden wants to be the guy again, then of course that that's going to be a problem. So it depends who's reading the tea leaves. I'm reading a little bit differently than you, I guess, but mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm shocking myself that I, I think that this isn't going to work because I, I, I don't, I, I think that the ceiling is not significantly higher than, than what the second, third round. Yeah. I mean, like, I, just, look, I don't think there's enough time. Look, look at it this way. The, the, the pairs would be that there was a there was a vote or whatever, and they have a better percentage now to 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 come out of the West than the Nuggets. Do you think that's that's the case? Oh no, no, okay, no, yeah, yeah. I will never, I will not bet against the team that is like no. You you, you talk about it. Jokic is the best offensive system on the planet, okay. and the yeah, Nuggets yeah. still play insane defense, and they still have Murray. They still have MPJ. It doesn't matter how many old stars you throw on a team. Like they they've got to figure things out on their own. I mean, we can look at it positively, though. I mean, do, do you feel? I mean, are there positive things with it? Like, I think that Zubats is a such an underrated pick and roll guy, and who, who's running pick and roll with him? Nobody really. I mean, James Harden. No, no, pick and roll is huge for them. Yeah, mm-hmm. Zubats is going to look fantastic with, with Harden, and Harden's you know the way he reads the floor. Paul George is going to have a ton of easy threes with him. Terrence Mann, he can play a little bit more to his role. I think that Harden will help a lot of these players play more to their natural position. I think maybe Kawhi Leonard takes a step back in terms of how much he gets the ball. Russell Westbrook, we'll see how that goes on the bench. I mean, that's going to be a whole charade. If if Russ doesn't mind, you know, being that energy guy off the bench, if Norman Powell can just like suck it up and like, hey, dude, you're you're not you're not really going to be getting reps on ball really anymore. Bones high, like goodbye. Bones is not going to see the floor when mm-hmm. when these guys are healthy. He's just not. If if that all can, if they can all accept that towards a goal moving forward to, to win the championship and stay together, and that's all going to be good and well because they have such great leaders in that locker room, then sure. But yeah, and, and the big thing is that they're Harden finally gets in the position where if he is going to flake in the playoffs again, maybe it won't matter once everyone once everyone's healthy because you got to go Kawhi. Then Paul George, then then Harden, and if he's just being a playmaker, shooting well from three, like and and you still got Kawhi doing Kawhi things like that, that won't be as big, big of an issue there. So the positives are are definitely there. I get it, but at the same time, with James Harden, it's kind of hard to believe that something, some more drama won't come out of this before, uh, before too long. Let's see what it looks like when they when they're negotiating a contract next year. But at the same time, I think you you're right. The the Clippers had to go and make this deal. He he provides something that they didn't have. So you have to just say kudos to the Clippers. They went all in. Let's see, let's see how it works from here. But uh, on on the Philly side, uh, even this year, I I just, I just look at Philly and say Philly are going to be fine. Philly are going to be so fine because at the very minimum, they have a great great head coach in Nick Nurse who will figure out enough for them to still be a very good regular season team. They're not going to take that massive drop off that I think people were thinking about because they knew they weren't going to get a star in return for Harden. And I even think that this year is is a season to not panic for for Philly. I don't think they they obviously need to communicate with Joel, but I don't think they need to go and and, and instantly make a move for a star when 
when it's not desperately needed. I think this is a year to really see what sort of level Max you can do for an entire year. I think they're going to be in the playoffs again. You look at how much they believe in him and how much they rely on Embiid, and you're kind of thinking of maybe the best thing that they could get into that team is a legit 3 and D playmaker. Like that's that's kind of a a bigger gap than maybe a, a another star like a like a like a Levine or someone like that to to come in in Philly, because I think the scoring that Tyrese Maxey can provide is is more than is more than enough to to be the number two to Joel Embiid. The biggest thing for Philly is having Joel Embiid actually healthy during the playoffs. There's always something wrong with him in the playoffs. He always picks up a knock during the playoffs, just before the playoffs. He's never healthy. The Philly, the Philly are always in the playoffs. But the thing is, Joel Embiid is never, ever healthy when they get to the playoffs. That's the biggest thing that about all of this. It's not having that other star with Embiid. It's Joel Embiid actually being healthy. Yeah, and I think they're... This, is, this will be an underrated thing about the about this move is if they're keeping all these guys is their ability to play small will will help them and you know they, they did that with tucker too but th- they'll be able to do it even more now with with that now you got both batum on the floor you got both robert covington on the floor and those guys can still play they can play meaningful minutes and they can they can help kind of take the pressure off of mb you know to play defense all the time and i i still think they should make a move and I think the Bulls would bite for a a lucrative deal involving picks. If things continue to devolve in Chicago and the they're allowed to reset, and management is is allowed to reset and and just you know sell things off. I mean, maybe even DeRozan, honestly, like having a guy like DeRozan, a guy who can who can be a primary playmaker and can score. You know, in a playoff setting, where the floor shrinks and you got to slow things down, I, I'm not. I'm not sure if Maxi is going to be able to do that consistently in the playoffs. That that's one thing. I I would have more faith in DeRozan being a secondary scorer than Maxi down the stretch in a seven series. You know, especially when you're facing the defenses of the East, the ability to get to line all the time. If if DeRozan can be had for a first round pick, would they do that? I I I think that. You know, the panic has to be there because Embiid knows that he could win, but he doesn't know if he can do it in, in Philly. You just lost Harden. You you just don't know what's going to happen next year. You don't know where where things can go, and things can go sour quick. I mean, maybe he picked up a couple, couple clues from Harden. Hey, you want to go somewhere. I mean, Harden just went – he just did a world tour. Like, he said he wanted to go somewhere. He went there. Every single team – even he didn't even play like James Harden when he left the uh, the Houston Rockets. He hasn't played a single game like Houston James Harden, and he still got to go wherever he wants. I mean, so the the, the play is there if Embiid wants to do it, and that has to force their hand to really do something special with this team, or else why would he stay? Oh yeah, no, I think it's it's I think it's communicate everything with Joel Embiid. If Joel Embiid says he wants to start, then then go and get that star. Absolutely, I think if they can hold off and really see what Maxi is for a full year and see what he can do in a playoff setting and then wait till next summer and really look to to analyze things then. I don't think that'll be the worst decision in the world. But yeah, like like you said, it, it is all about Joel Embiid. Whatever they have to do to make him happy, they absolutely should do that. I'm not saying that they shouldn't communicate with Embiid and just go their own way and, and, and let this season play out. They communicate with Joel Embiid like we saw Giannis do. He pushed... He 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 pushed the hand of the Milwaukee Bucks. They went out and got what they wanted. It's gonna be like you're looking at it and you're thinking star star wise. You're looking at Siakam Levine, and yes. apparently they're monitoring Donovan Mitchell's situation in Cleveland too. Cleveland wouldn't. It's tough to say like who's gonna be the next disgruntled star. Like the, the one one always comes out, but at this moment you're kind of like they're the ones. Mitchell's obviously a long shot. Levine's kind of the main one you're looking at. Outside of that, it's kind of tough to see where that disgruntled star is going to come from. But yet again, we say that probably every year, and, and one always seems to seems to come about, you know. Yeah, and and I think that you have to think about it, like Giannis got Dame, like Giannis just got Dame. They they've been competitive all these years. They just got Dame. Like they're they're making they're making moves. The Boston Celtics were not satisfied being as good as they were, and they they went out. They got Porzingis. Like 
front offices that are aggressive in the open market will get what they want. And Daryl Morey has always found a way. And I, I think that's that's where it lies is Daryl Morey you trust. Like he was able to get James Harden. He was able to to figure out that Ben Simmons situation and make something out of nothing. And he managed to get something out of nothing with, with Harden because really that guy was not going anywhere but the Clippers. So the fact that you got two first round picks out of that situation, I mean, that's that matters. So stay tuned on that. I, I really, I really have faith that they'll continue to be good with Maxi, but we'll try to make a deal this year. I, I, I don't think they're going to wait and waste another year of Embiid because you said that he's not getting any healthier. That's not going to fix itself. That's that's always who he's going to be. So you need to you need to give him some more help. Yeah, yeah. So what do you say? You say win 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 for both sides. Win win or or I think I think it's more likely a win, more likely a win for the 76ers. They got their hands clean. Then big stay tuned for the Clippers. Big stay tuned. I I'm not making a call on that. That that could be a big lose. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, we don't, we won't, we won't like any hot takes on that one. But uh, yeah, I think uh, obviously very, very interesting. Always cool when it, when a big trade goes down. Let's see how Harden fits out in uh, out in LA. Let's see where the Seventy Sixers go from here. But when when things do go down, when things do change, we'll be here to cover you for all that. But that's gonna do it for today's episode. My thanks to Chris for joining me. Thank you all so much for listening. Remember, you like what you're hearing. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And most importantly, remember to take every shot and love every moment.